Welcome to 10,000 Roads to Financial Independence, the podcast where we interview real people with real stories of taking charge of their time and reaching financial independence faster. And now, your host, Elisa Zen. Well, welcome everyone to Easy FIU, My FI Stories. Um, and today I have Chad King. I love the last name, Chad King. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, to, and he's a syndicator um, and he's also doing very great stuff with, um, you know, uh, the real estate. He has a lot of success in real estate and then also produce it. You're currently doing a coach program on that too, right, Chad? That's correct, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so very happy to have him on the show today. And then we're going to walk through his FI journey um, and then check out like what his systems process and secret powers are. Cool. Welcome today, Chad. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Lisa. I look forward to the conversation. That's awesome. So Chad, tell us a little bit more. We usually start our guests with like all the way back to their kind of the childhood or the moments where they feel like there's some influence uh, earlier on influence because I kind of like to get into the mindset of people. Um, so if you recall back like all the way to childhood, um, what would you say, who would you say is one of the biggest influence for you? And is there any incident that kind of strike you, give you a you know, huge impression on being sure. a Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, you know, if, if we're going back to childhood, I think, you know, my father was definitely the biggest influencer in my life. And what I learned from him was, uh, hard work and integrity were those two things that he was, he was a military guy, 30 years, um, retired captain. And, uh, like from a very, very young age, I always saw him like work up early, you know, home late. Like he was always working hard. And then integrity was always a big thing that he was preaching to me. Like, you know, once you lose your integrity, you can't get it back. So, um, those two things were like the lessons that really stuck from the beginning. Um, but, you know, if I'm being honest, some of the other things that I saw from a young age where we grew up, you know, upper middle class, we had everything we needed, but, you know, we didn't have mm -hmm. an abundance, but we, uh, we certainly weren't, you know, we weren't uh, eating out of trash cans or anything. But I did see, you know, my family, my mom was cutting coupons for a, a very long time. My dad was a penny pincher. So they're very frugal, very frugal upbringing as well. Um, mm -hmm. So that, that always stuck with me as well. When I look back and, you know, being where I'm at now, like I, I do always remember them, you know, really counting, counting pennies. And um, mm -hmm. I think that that lesson stuck with me along with, you know, the, the hard work and integrity um, that, that I was taught from them. Yeah, from that's age. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it's the habits. You kind of zoomed in on the habits of like just being an entrepreneur, which is all kind of needed in terms of hard working because you got to grind, right? When you become an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, definitely. So, um, is there a particular moment, let's say you got brought up, uh, so you are brought up in the kind of average American, um, uh, family. Um, but I always talk with these folks who has a figure in their life that is a military background or so. I always admire that because that just makes you so much more disciplined. I feel mm -hmm. like that's a huge influence. Um, and so what is a moment for you like you know so you got the habits but there's also the mindset shifting uh, like wanting to be your own boss wanted to have uh entrepreneur spirit which is the creative spirits um yeah. so when did that kind of got installed in you is there early influence or is there a pivotal moment that happened 
Yeah, for me, I mean, the switch flipped. Uh, I was working at Xerox um, and I was mm-hmm. climbing the corporate ladder and I was sort of in that little, that W2, uh, we'll call it a trap if you want to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I was in that, I was in that W2 arena at Xerox and I was in sales and, you know, I think in, in the notes I read, you know, we'll talk about the superpower and that's really mine. Like I'm a sales coach now and I really love mm-hmm. sales. Um, and that was what I was really good at. I, so I took that job at Xerox out of college and got in, started selling copiers door to door and was working my way up like, and had, you know, the, the corporate ladder sort of just laid out in front of me and something clicked in my mind. Um, and actually I read rich dad, poor dad, and mm-hmm. I started really thinking about my path that I was on. And yeah. the path that I was on was I was looking up this ladder and thinking, man, if I keep climbing at every rung in this ladder, somebody is going to tell me how much money I'm going to make, you know, when to be, when to come into work, what I need to do, where mm-hmm. to put my money in retire, like contribute to a 401k. And I got to wait, you know, X amount of years to make a certain amount of money. And then I got to, and then I retire at this age, like, and, I, and that sort of struck me as like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to buy into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was sort of when I was at that W2 job, that was sort of where I, that, that switch flipped for me that, oh my gosh, like I need to control my own destiny. I need to control my own outcome, which is why I got into sales originally, because I knew that good salespeople are able to write their own checks. So, yeah. um, I combined that sales experience with the, now the knowledge of, you know, being able to shape your own destiny by choosing your, you know, your own path. Mm-hmm. And I chose the real estate path to get into. And when you mm-hmm. combine those two things, like you get the entrepreneur, the real estate entrepreneur, which is the person that, you know, works in real estate and creates their own destiny. Yeah, definitely. So just to kind of recap over there for our listener is you're actually working a W2 job, but as sales, because you got in because you think, hey, it's actually proportional to what I put in because sales often have that. But then it comes to find out you're just working a W2 job. And that's where kind of that switch has flipped. It was, hey, if I was working for myself, I can make so much more because then it's not capped at a certain, certain limits. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That was it. 100%. You know, yeah. so, and also and, like, I didn't like, I didn't like seeing, you know, they withhold taxes from your W2 check. I remember my <laughs> big, my big, big commission check. Like I started selling some big, some people think Xerox copiers are just those little standalone, but I started selling yeah. some big machines. Like, I, I mean, I was selling $75,000 copiers. Wow. Um, like they're, they look like a, a school bus. Right. And, <laughs> you know, I remember getting a commission check from that and seeing all those taxes come out. And I, I remember thinking like, man, I want to have control. I want to have control over that before yeah. somebody comes in and you realize, and then you start to realize why the government comes in and takes the taxes first because they don't mm-hmm. trust the people to pay the taxes after, if they right. get the money. So I wanted right. to be, I wanted to be in more control, I think is, is the underlying theme with, with what we're talking about right now mm-hmm. is I just wanted more control. And mm-hmm. ultimately like, the only way to have a hundred percent control is, is to be an entrepreneur. Like you have to mm-hmm. be in charge of your own financial picture. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then there's responsibilities coming from that too. Um, and so um, tell us a little bit about your transition. Cause a lot of our viewers are wondering, you know, they get stuck in the W2 job and then they're wondering about, Hey, how do you actually climb out of it? You know, that's yeah. a lot of big questions that I got asked about that. Right. So like yeah. how, how did that happen for you? walk us through that yeah um so there's many schools of thought to how you transition Mm -hmm. and 
the way that I transitioned, I don't recommend for everybody. However, some people just need to quit. Yeah. Quit and then it out. So I committed to real estate. I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to figure it out. And we can talk about the first, the struggles in the first year. Cause the first year yeah. was brutal because, yeah. you know, and maybe, and maybe I should have started by dipping my toe in the water, but maybe I, you know, I, I can't say that I should have cause I didn't and I'm here now and it worked out great. Right. Some people, some people dip that toe in the water and they stay there in that sort of that education phase where they're like, mm-hmm. because they have a safety net, it's very easy not to commit and go in mm-hmm. all the way. And most people, Elisa, it's, it's sad, but most people are interested. They're not committed. And that's why there's right. a lot of people that they love this real estate. They got the bug and they want to get into it, but they're interested and they're not right. committed. And that's why right. it's not working out and they're not seeing the success that other people are seeing because they're, they're stuck in that and they have that safety net there. And when you burn the boats, you've got a higher probability, in my opinion, of making it work. Now, yeah. I was in a position in my life where I was engaged. We were fortunate enough to have the, the place we lived in was, was paid off. So I was able to take that chance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have four kids and you have a big mortgage payment, I don't necessarily mm-hmm. recommend quitting cold turkey, but there are some people out there that just need to hear that. Like, yeah. just commit, go all in. Yeah. I put in my two weeks notice and I said, I'm going to do this real estate thing. I'm going to figure out, I'm going to make it work. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So that's commit awesome. First, commit first, figure it out later. Yeah. And I can't agree with that hundred percent. Like, um, or even just doing something like mm-hmm. instead of dipping the toe, like actually get your like whole feet, get in their wet. Right. Yeah. At least do something instead of sitting aside and be like, well, I really want to get into real estate. And two years later, mm-hmm. they're still in that position. Um, right. So yeah. definitely like taking action towards that, even if yeah. it's just a baby step, but get your whole feet in there. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about that one year. Um, and then what are some of the biggest lessons you learned from that? Um, yeah. yeah. Great, great question. So that when I, when I left, Xerox, um, and I got into to real estate. I, I the the biggest mistake I made looking back now, because yeah. now I have coaches, I have mentors, I'm in mastermind, I'm in multiple mastermind groups. Like mm-hmm. I have, I'm getting the blueprints for a lot of different things, and I have a ton of uh, resources above me that I'm reaching up to grab. And mm-hmm. the biggest mistake that I made when I first got into the space is I didn't do that. Like I didn't. Mm-hmm invest in, I should have invested in a coach or a mentor that basically can give you the blueprint and just, you don't have to recreate the wheel. Mm. My mistake was just trying a bunch of things. Like I got my real estate license, like thinking that I wanted to do commercial tenant rep stuff. Like I started a real estate photography business thinking that like I might be able to get in with like the real estate photography and that would be my leg in. Like I Mm -hmm. I did, I, I did a bunch of stuff that I, I was wasting money and like racking up my credit card bills, like trying different things when I should have just invested in a coach that mm-hmm. would tell me what to do. Ultimately, mm-hmm. through a lot of trials and tribulations and failed attempts and all this stuff, I found a little niche in wholesaling. And mm-hmm. many of your viewers probably understand the wholesaling concept, right? Putting property mm-hmm. under contract and then selling it for a fee to an end buyer. I ultimately found a, a little niche in, in wholesaling. And I just went in, I went in heavy. So um, I was really good at sales. I was really good with people and wholesaling is helping people. Like you're, you're buying distressed properties and you're buying, 
really distressed situations because a lot of times it's not about the person or it's not about mm -hmm. the property, it's about the person. Right. So I was helping people and um, started getting a little bit of traction and then ultimately found some partners in the space that were a little bit heavy hitters and I was able mm -hmm. to plug my superpower, which was sales. So mm -hmm. they were generating a lot of leads and I was able to plug my superpower, which is sales and closing deals into their mm -hmm. machine and ultimately scaled and, and blew it up. Um, yeah. Like last year we did 165 deals, wholesale, single family wow. deals. That's amazing. Um, and yeah. how did you find these people, like the partners that you mentioned before? Uh, funny enough, I mean, I found them through doing, I was doing a transaction, like trying to get a deal done by myself. And mm -hmm. I ended up calling these people and because they have, you know, what, what I didn't have honestly mm -hmm. was like good systems and processes. I yeah. just had a hustle and a, and a work ethic. So mm -hmm. I was doing like a lot of stuff. Um, but I was, I was not generating a lot of deals cause or a lot of leads because I didn't have good systems and processes. So, mm -hmm. you know, I was really kind of like, I had that sort of gorilla hustle mentality to generate a deal. And after a few deals, it led to me, you know, reaching out and finding out a person who had tremendous systems and processes, mm. but there they had a problem with closing deals. So they were generating all these right. leads, people that wanted to sell houses, but they didn't have, <laughs> they didn't have someone who could really close the deals. Yeah. So that's where we really, you know, we really put our heads together and it was like rocket fuel. Yeah, that's awesome. Be able to kind of find the um, essentially partner that uh, makes up for your weaknesses and then you bring the strengths to the table. That's like a huge thing, which is teaming mm -hmm. up. But obviously, I do multifamily, Absolutely. but teaming up is so such a such a big thing in there. Village. Yep. Yeah, definitely. So that's kind of really interesting because when I uh, interview like business owners and et cetera, they always talk about the system. So in your ways, you kind of partner into a system. Yeah. yeah. I'm so <laughs> I love that because of me too. I'm like a terrible with organization. So I'm like, how do you actually like get this done? Um, yeah. But then you recognize your superpower. Like when did you recognize this is your superpower? Uh, I recognized sales was my superpower. My second year at Xerox when I was the number two producer in the company, like I knew that I had a, a pretty good um I knew I was pretty good at this. I mean, when you work for, when you, when you sell door to door and you sell co copiers, especially door to door, it's a tough yeah. racket. So like, yeah. you know, you, you develop that resilience to no, and you realize that, you know, every no gets you one step closer to a yes. So you build that thick skin that you need to succeed mm -hmm. in sales. And yeah. then, um, you know, ultimately like it, being able to go to the top of an office building and just knock on the doors all the way down until you get thrown out. And so many people are telling wow. you get lost and then you got to wake up the next day and do it again. Um, yeah. It's that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I, I can't, um, I think it will probably scare the, you know, the scared than like uh, so out of someone um, to kind of even just do that. So like, what are the stuff that you're doing to kind of like got you over the hump of like, hey, I got to knock on the doors and then making sure like getting all these rejections in your face. Um, you yeah. Know, just that starting point. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it, it really comes down to, you know, when we talk about sales, uh, another word that's synonymous is your pipeline. And mm -hmm. when you understand your KPIs and you understand your funnel and your pipelines, now you can just sort of reverse engineer what you need to do in order to be successful to achieve the goals that you've set for yourself. So if I have a revenue yeah. goal for the month, I know that 
listen, I need to, I need to make 10 proposals in order to get, you know, two con two contracts and I need to knock on a hundred doors to get 10 meet to get 20 meetings to make 10 proposals. So if I knock on X amount of doors, you know, so you just reverse engineer it and then it's just about execution. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to is like the execution is the difficult part, you know, understanding the under once you understand your funnel and 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 now my funnel is a little different now i'm like i need to underwrite this many deals so i can make this many lois so i can get this many properties under contract it's a different funnel yeah. but it's the same yeah. concept so when i was at xerox it was like all right figure out what the funnel is and now you need to know i need to know that hey i need to knock on 50 doors a day mm -hmm. in order to hit my my targets and then you yeah. just got to go so you do have a system. You do have a system. You do yeah. have a sales oh, system. Yeah, pipeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I meant like softwares and um, uh -huh. I have basic systems and I have great systems for my life, I feel like. But as yeah. far as like, you know, the marketing and the operations, like I, yes. I recognize that those were not my strong suit. Like, yeah. I'm not a marketing guy. I'm not a, uh, a, a back-end operations uh, tech tech guy. I'm not, mm -hmm. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's okay. I think you mentioned it earlier. Like it is okay to, you know, partner up or hire out your weaknesses. Some people like want you to focus and double down and learn, you know, how to mm -hmm. do those things. Like you don't necessarily need to do that. Like you can hire it out right. or you can partner up and there's a lot of other ways to just maximize your superpower. Yeah. And, and I totally love uh, that topics because um, it's especially true that when you are doubling down on stuff that you're doing good about, then you're like grow exponentially. Like forget about like doubling down on stuff that you're not very good about because you're just be a snail pacing it and uh, also probably feel frustrated on time as well. And that doesn't really help either. So yeah, you're gonna get burnt out. You're going to get burnt yeah. out kind of trying to spend all your time working on your weaknesses. Like it's very easy to get burnt out that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so how are you different from the rest of the Xerox salesman? Like, um, what do you think of that kind of like? A uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, when I think back onto that time, um, it just execution, just doing, just knocking on the doors. Like nobody wanted to do that. Cause it's, it, if I'm being honest, like it sucks. <laughs> it yeah. sucks. You know, yeah. every day, like to wake up every day and know that you're just going to get thrown out of businesses, told to F off and then thrown out of buildings, like to wake up motivated to do that every day is not something that yeah. many people can do. But, you know, when you focus on the bigger picture, um, then it makes it a little bit easier. But there was execution, I think, is what set uh, me apart mm -hmm. in that in that space at that at that stage. And, and we talked about it in the beginning, like, you know, I think that that stems from the hard work that. I, I learned mm -hmm. at a very early age was like, you know, that my dad taught me the only, the only way to get anything you want is, is rolling up Just your sleeves and get work done. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any mind tricks that you're playing for yourself or like kind of doing a quick hack um, to just get yourself up and going and knowing that today you're going to be thrown out of building? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, my biggest thing is like for, for me when I'm talking, when we talk about the mind is like, I'm going to control what I can control. And the only thing I can control is my effort level. So I can't control if I get thrown out. I can't control if somebody's having a bad day and they yell at me. I can't control yeah. those things. So don't focus on them. I think mm -hmm. far too many people are like putting stock in things that are beyond their control. Right. And that's a tough way to live because you're constantly going to be chock full of excuses because now you're basing your life and your results. And you're saying that it's, it's, 
an ex in somebody's external control, what happens to you? And um, so for me, you know, my mental game was I'm going to control what I can control, which is how many doors I knock on and mm -hmm. everything above that is, is out of my control. So I'm not going to worry about it. Don't mm -hmm. spend time dwelling on it. Don't spend time. It's, it's like when something happens to you and you spend time like depressed thinking about it, like, right. Hey, it happened. What are you going to yeah. do now? Yeah. Yeah. It's something that you can't control. You can change it. But the moment that you start owning, I remember someone would say the moment that you start owning your own mistake is the moment that you're going to accelerate because now you can change it. Like, because you own them. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about your business now, like after a year of struggling, you met these partners and things just kind of click and things go rocket shit. Like, and then, so how, how is, um, how are you working with your partner? And then where are you now? Like, that happened that one year happened like how many years ago so that that i started in real estate in january of 2017 wow so not long ago um yeah you know and it it doesn't take um i think some people like i and i know yours is 10 years to financial freedom and yeah and that's a that's a great timeline but it doesn't necessarily yeah. need to take 10 years like no yeah. you know um so January, 2017 was when I, when I quit and started and I had that first struggle nine months. And then 2018 mm -hmm. was really started to get some traction. 2019 was, was very good for us. Like I said, we did, you know, 165 deals with the partners that I'm a part of. Wow. Um, and then ultimately like what I found was we were doing a lot of transactions, mm -hmm. but transactions just create money. They don't create wealth and you know, doing, a, doing 165 single family transactions Excuse me, was great, you know, <laughs> and we made some, we made some good money, but now we just have to go out and do it again. And mm -hmm. I started looking at the vision for myself and I'm like, well, I don't want to have to wake up and work 60 hours a week every week to do these transactions. So we need to get into more passive, a more passive mm -hmm. vehicle. And I had, I have always been eyeing the apartments, the multifamily space, um, since I got in, even since I was working at Xerox, like I knew who Grant Cardone was. I was kind of studying him. Like, I had always been eyeing that. And so the January of, or November of last year, I bought my first multifamily apartment complex. It was 14 units wow. and then bought the next deal was 21 units and then bought a uh, 65 unit and a 49 unit. And now we're under contract for 93 units. So nice. in the course of, in the course of a year, we've acquired, um, 149 units with another 93 under contract. And then I have, um, I'm a big fan of investing on the LP of deals. So mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure your audience level, if I can say LP and they know. What yeah. LP. Yeah. Uh, so you can explain a little bit. Uh, yeah. I think half of our audience is probably familiar with it. Um, mm -hmm. And then the half probably don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when you talk about multifamily investing, like there's, there's very, very passive ways to do it and there's more active ways to do it. And when you're on the active side, they call that the GP or the general partners, meaning you're one who the you're the one in the syndicate you're the one who's um you know doing the asset management all that stuff and you're on the gp and you get get equity for being on the gp and then the passive people are what's called the lp or the limited partners mm -hmm. and those are like extremely passive like mm -hmm. a lot of them already have jobs they have other things they're doing they don't want to focus on the real estate the actual asset management or anything they don't care about the tenants or all that stuff they just want the returns the depreciation the, right. you know the cash flow all the benefits of multifamily real estate so I love, love, love putting money on the LP of deals because you mm -hmm. can scale and get some great returns. Um, so I have 252 units that I'm a part of on, on a limited partner side that I get cash flow from. 
and then 149 currently that are under ownership of mine that I currently manage and have done some syndications to purchase um, uh, with my partners. And you know, my same partner that is in the real estate, the single family space is, is my partner in, in this group. His name is Bill Allen. Um, nice. Phenomenal individual, owns a you know, coaching company and he does big things as well. So um, mm -hmm. yeah, so that's where that's I'm awesome. at currently um, in my multifamily journey. Nice. That's awesome. Um, and, uh, did you, and then to, in order to close 160, 170 deals a year, there must be a amount of like capital or client list that, that you need to generate and et cetera. So tell us a little bit about, you know, for people who wants to kind of get into wholesaling or syndication business, uh, you need to kind of have an investor database. Um, so like, how did you guys go about building it? What is your like kind of first deal where you find people to actually purchase it? Um, yeah. And then what is your first deal kind of like getting you, you know, the deal, essentially close the deal with the seller? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's a, it's a great question. Um, I'm going to kind of unpack it a little bit. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it definitely is. Um, I want to tell your listeners, sometimes I hear when people are thinking about getting into the business, like I don't have the money, I don't have the buyers, I don't have the relationships. Like, those are very common reasons for people to like say that it's not working. Like, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have the relationships. Like nobody did when they started. Mm -hmm. If I can say something to your listeners now, what I would say is like, worry about finding the deal and the money will come. Worry about finding good deals and the relationships will come. You have, yes, you do have to have relationships in this business 100%. And there's many places you can get them. Like, there's so many networking groups out there. Like mm. they have investor clubs, investor meetups. Like I was going to a ton of those. I was like an investor meetup junkie. And mm -hmm. you, you know, you're collecting business cards, you're, you're making relationships. That's important to do, mm -hmm. but you get people that, you know, you constantly see at those meetups and you mentioned it in the beginning, like, and they're, they're, they're just meetup junkies and they're not actually doing any deals. They're just going and just, you know, talking to people and handing out business cards. Don't right. get caught in that space of thinking that, you have to have all these relationships built before you can go do a deal. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, like what I did first was I found the deal and then the things started happening after that. So, you know, my mm -hmm. first deal came from driving around and I was writing handwritten letters to sellers because I didn't have any money. So I would yeah. look for, for houses that looked like they were vacant and I would write a little letter and I, I did that all day long and yeah. my wife would help me and the second deal came, we were driving around and putting out bandit signs because we didn't have any money. So we would write on these bandit signs and say, well, we buy houses. And that's how we got our second deal. So we had that like hustle work ethic, but I was focused on finding the deals. Mm -hmm. And then everything else started coming after that. So um, I, I was a kind of long winded way of answering your question. But I just want people to know that, you know, the relationships will come with time. Mm -hmm. But if you can really get a good deal first, um, and get your, get your feet wet, it's a domino effect. So after you do your first one, it seems like the dominoes keep falling. So mm -hmm. I would recommend starting there. And then mm -hmm. um, that's, that's a great way to kind of put poor gasoline on the fire is starting with that. Yeah, yeah, when, when you had that. Because when we did our first deal, uh, a syndication deal of 50 units, um, you know, that was um, just, we have the deal on the contract, you gotta go find investor then. You know, yeah. we got to figure out how to do all the S 
security law stuff. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. oh, I guess we're go. Um, yeah. But I would definitely say like having an investor database, like that's to a point on like the action, which is like, hey, if you're really good with connecting with people, like get that in front of them, you know, just mm -hmm. get that started. Um, again, to your point about getting started. Yeah, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Where yeah. did you, like for that 50 unit that you syndicated, yeah. I mean, would everybody is ever brought money to that deal you had prior relationships with, or were a lot of them new relationships that you created because you had the deal? Prior relationships, okay. I would say. Yeah, prior relationships, but you start finding, um, you know, basically you start finding your friends and family. That's like your closest circle to go to. And it, yeah. but it, it takes time for you to just like talk to them about it. Right. right. So, um, again, taking actions is uh, to your point on that, but love, you know, love the journey over there. So now you switched it over to multifamily. Now, what are the challenges that you found switching into multifamily? Because when you transition, uh, and then you're still doing wholesaling business. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I'm still part of the wholesaling business and I actually coach right now. So I coach sales teams in the wholesale yeah. and flip space. Um, nice. that's again, like, you know, sales was kind of where I found a, a, a very solid niche and I ended up hiring mm -hmm. and training a lot, a lot of salespeople in the space yeah. in order to buy out that, but that buy houses at a very high level. Yeah. Um, so that's where I've kind of scaled in when it comes to active income, I've kind of scaled that business and I do, you know, just private coaching for sales teams and I'm mm -hmm. still involved with the company was blackjack real estate or is blackjack real estate that I was that guy that I got involved with that ultimately mm -hmm. scaled the wholesale side of things and I'm still involved mm -hmm. with them. Um, and so I'm still involved there. I just really focus more of my time now, probably 60% of my time is focused on the apartment side of things. Um, gotcha. you know, awesome. and, and the hardest part there is just finding good deals. You know, we're yeah. looking at a lot of properties. We're underwriting a lot of deals. Um, mm -hmm. and I went, when I say we, I mean me, um, yeah. making offers, having conversations with brokers, um, just doing all that. And it's, it, it's like we talked about earlier, it's the pipeline, right? And yeah, you got to yeah. underwrite X amount of deals to make X amount of offers to get X amount of contracts. And yeah, uh, so that's where I'm spending majority of my time right now. That's awesome. And yeah. then, so um, when you're talking about like a finding deals and except, that's very interesting. Cause now all of a sudden you're telling me you have three businesses now, maybe you have more that we haven't then covered. Um, but you know, like you start doing the first business, I'm guessing you're hundred percent focused on that. So mm -hmm. when did the coaching come in where the second business start hitting? Like, cause yeah. you kind of just like fly through that. You're like, Oh yeah, by the way, I coach on this too. Like, Whoa, whoa wait a minute. Because coaching business is different than the wholesaling business. It's a different mm -hmm. business. So how did that transition start happening? And then what are some of the challenges or surprises that when you get into that second business um, and yes. how do you balance between the two? Sorry, that's like a lot oh, of questions. Great. Question. <laughs> yeah. You're asking some great questions and I'm actually just jotting some things down as you're asking questions because yeah. I don't want to forget, you know, as things come to me, um, you know, ultimately what, what, what you asked was like how I'm adding streams of revenue. Like I started in just wholesale. I had one stream and now yeah. it's wholesale and coaching. I added two streams and now it's wholesale coaching and multifamily. There's another stream. Mm -hmm. And, and then I do, you know, I have some products that I just sell like some video courses and I have a library and I have, you know, products that I sell and that's another stream and yeah. all those streams feed the main river. So, you know, I think we talk about, I, I saw in your, your easy FI university, like it talks yeah. about starting a side hustle. 
Like that's mm-hmm. great. You got to get another stream going. Too many people rely on one stream of income. And what we've seen, what we've seen with relying on one stream of income is like, that's super volatile. Mm-hmm. An external event that we could not control such as COVID-19 just wiped out 40 million jobs. Right. And most people only have one stream of income. Yeah. So when, when I realized, you know, we talked earlier about like the switch kind of flipping, what I realized was you need to focus on the value instead of trading time for money. Like what value can you deliver? And I started to, as I got better at, you know, hiring and uh, training people and closing deals. And I started noticing like other people wanted to learn how to do that. So how do I trade my, the value that I've created by going on thousands of appointments and contracting hundreds of properties? How do I trade that value? Right. And give that to, to other people. Um, And also how do I get my time back? So you start to think about businesses that you can create that, you can get the value that you're worth and also get your time back. Cause that's all we, that's what we want. Like we talk about financial independence. What do we want? We want independence. Right. We want the freedom to do what we want to do with our time whenever mm-hmm. we want to do it for however long we want to do it. Right. And if you're going to do that, you cannot trade, you cannot do that trading your time for a paycheck. You no. can't, you right. cannot do it. Yeah. So you need to figure out where, what your, what your, and then value and pour value into those. And then ultimately you can create streams around those. So that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, it, that's kind of a long winded answer of like, you know, I've just created streams based on what I'm good at. And then, yeah. you know, double down on the streams that worked really well. And I've cut off streams that haven't worked, you know, and we yeah. talked in, you know, we talked about the businesses that I've started that were sucking time and energy that they weren't producing and weren't flowing into the river. So it's okay to cut off a stream. Some people get, some people get a little too, oh, what's the word? They get a little too attached to maybe like a stream yeah. or something that they started. And, you know, we talk about never quit, like don't quit. Mm-hmm. And when, when we say don't quit, we mean don't quit on the end goal, which is financial independence, which is real wealth, generational wealth, passive income. Don't quit on that. It might be okay. It might be okay to toss in the towel on a little stream that's not working, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. This the, and and then the other the other tip to kind of tie this conversation or tie that question in a bow is for me, I make sure that all streams feed the main river, which is the mm-hmm. apartments. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, the 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 conversations that I have with people in the coaching and the conversations that I'm having with you know the people in the single family, most of those people are now investors in the LP and our deals. Mm-hmm. Like everything mm-hmm. feeds the main river right. and the main river is the apartments gotcha. for me, for me yeah. personally. And, yeah. and, and, and the other, the streams that I have are all basically under that same umbrella and they sort of feed that same river in some way or another. Like I'm not investing in the stock market. I'm not but, buying restaurants. I'm not investing in Bitcoin. Like I'm not, chasing shiny red balls everything Mm -hmm. flows in the same direction thank you for listening to 10,000 roads to financial independence this can be you what if today was the day you started the countdown clock to your financial independence join many others like you at www.easyfiuniversity.com to get started